0: Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 38. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. I almost forgot I was supposed to say, I'm Dave. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We're a couple getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our past. That means each week, one of us, well, each week, no, each time, one of us gets to choose something that the other person has never seen before. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Oftentimes, these are memorable and important films. Off times. Off times. (laughs) Um, So uh, this time it was uh, my choice.
1: It was your choice. What did you choose, Dave?
0: I chose All the President's Men.
1: All the President's Men.
0: 1975? Six. 1976. It either won or was nominated for lots of Oscars. Yeah, now it
1: got Best Adapted Screenplay.
0: However, it is... Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman, or Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford, depending on uh, who got billing on what, yes. as the Washington Post reporters, Carl Bernstein and um,
1: Bob, Woodward. Bob Woodward. Thank you. <laughs> it went out of my head
0: because I almost said Robert Redford again, um, investigating the uh, scandal that turns out to be the, the Watergate uh, conspiracy that ends up bringing down um, Nixon's presidency. Yeah. It is a newspaper thriller.
1: Yes, it is the first of the newspaper thriller genre.
0: So now it seems like kind of a familiar genre. Yeah. We've seen other things like that. Um, but I, this is the first one that I remember. It's, yeah. um,
1: I, it's instantly recognizable because I've seen other films. Like I Spotlight, I guess, is the yeah. most recent one that I've yeah, seen. Yeah, that's
0: probably the closest... Sort of very film much like in the same yeah. vein,
1: um bringing down a major uh organization in that case, the Catholic Church or the Catholic Diocese in Boston, I think is spotlight, yeah, yeah,
0: so you have um a, a, an amazing cast, everybody is in this, all yes. the uh elder male actors yeah. of the times, right
1: it's another in the David Ashley covered the films of Jason Robards <laughs> uh
0: we've only done two,
1: yeah, right this is the third it,
0: oh. Wait, what's the first? Parenthood is one. Two, oh, is he in that? Oh, yeah. he's, oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Maybe we should just do a Jason Robards podcast. Yeah, so, just
1: all the Jason Robards films. <laughs> so in addition to Woodward
0: and Bernstein, or Woodstein, as they, yeah. as they yeah. call, as Robards calls them, or is it, uh, I can't remember who. Yeah. Um, so, yes, um, we have Jason Robards plays Ben Bradley um, at the Washington Post, and I think Jack Warden is also one of the editors early on in the film um who else turns up in this we have deep throat
1: oh um right? uh, reverend camden's in it from seventh okay heaven. stephen collins is in seventh
0: it. heaven fans <laughs> a very very young 20 something stephen collins yeah. is in the film as as one of the uh people they they talk to one yeah. of their sources yes. slash not sources yes there's lots of trickiness throughout the film about getting people to go on the record or to confirm things without going on the record, so that they have uh three confirmations mm-hmm. for major details, but yes, indeed, you have a riveting thriller with much rushing from uh meeting to meeting,
1: yes, many phone calls
0: many phone calls much all slicking, those wonderful phone books deep focus <laughs> shots, okay. This is the first time I think I've seen this in the internet age. Yeah. Which, which ta- the internet age. Let's talk about the internet age. I mean, I originally saw this probably it's in the... Like 1994
1: in the, or something. Okay, that's not true. I guess I
0: probably saw this 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. Technically, there was an internet. But it's the first time that I experienced it really thinking about, oh my God, they have to go into this room and flip through phone books for Minneapolis or yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they've got the um, they've got the people who do the pull the files in the archives, mm. you know, to... to do we have anything on so and such and such a name? And they've got to have some intern like bring up, you know, a clipping. That's right. right. Yeah. Which she um, had to. It's all about. Like
1: use the. Yeah. They would have had to use subject you, files. They can't and stuff Google like that. anybody. Yeah.
0: They're making phone calls. That's all about who knows who. And I have. I, I used to date a girl who knows somebody in the White House or at the FBI. Mm. You know, all that kind of stuff. It's all about people. It's all about who you know. It's all about the guy who told the guy who told the guy, um, and and as I started to say, you you also have this is where deep throat comes from, yeah. the mis- which we've also seen a million times since you know with X Files and the sort of the cigarette smoking man, but yeah, this, this yeah. actually was. Where Deep Throat There's came from. There's so many shows mis-
1: that make reference to Deep Throat, like yeah. the meeting in parking garages, and uh-huh.
0: the, this is the original meeting in parking garages. Putting the flower pot out on the balcony to uh, signify that they that he wants to meet, and changing cabs in the middle of the night, and and downstairs underground parking garage, mysterious conversations. Follow the money comes from this yeah. movie. It's so... Um,
1: but apparently not in the book at all.
0: Yeah, I read that <laughs> yeah. too. It's screenwriting, it's screenwriting magic, um, courtesy Yum. of William Goldman. So attached to, like, you know, Beyond the Actors and all that, In the, it's um, directed by Alan J. Pecula. I can never remember how to say his name, so you can write us in and correct us. Um, and he did Part a nice. lot of seminal movies in the 70s. Um, what? Oh, you don't yeah. want, she doesn't to Don't about correct it. me. She doesn't care. Correct.
1: correct. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not going to say it.
0: <laughs> okay. You can call him AP. AJP. Um, he did the Parallax View. Um, he did Sophie's Choice later on. Mm. Um, a number of other. She chose the boy. Clute. I think he did Clute, right? <laughs> hey, no. No spoilers. <laughs> Have I even seen that? I don't know Okay. <laughs> It's fine. I'm not planning to see that immediately. Yeah. So unless it turns up as one of your picks.
1: No, I, well, I've never seen it. Um, I just read the Wikipedia article. Uh,
0: so I've done a lot of <laughs> rambling on about what the movie is and its significance.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's pretty significant. I have not seen it. And I was trying to think of why I haven't seen it because it seems like a pretty historic, I'm mean, like, you know, I think I've talked about this before. my history teacher for, you know, the second half of us history. Yeah. Um, he liked to show us movies about yeah. things. So, like, most of the history that we saw was, you know, you know... Was he Republican? Patton, I don't know.
0: I'm just <laughs> Probably. saying, maybe he didn't want to show you the movie about the downfall of the Nixon administration. Well, I
1: mean, I want to say, so that was pretty recent history, <clears throat> 1972, 74. Most of my teachers at the time, they would have been really young when this happened. So they had no direct knowledge mm-hmm. of it. And then... um I was too young to have
0: direct knowledge. Well,
1: I mean, like, my teachers would have been born in the mid 60s. So they Mm -hmm. would have been in their, you know, child years um, when I was going through school. But, like, the way that history is written, at least in history books, is it takes a while for us to sort of synthesize everything and get it in a form that you can feed Mm -hmm. to. Um, public school students. Yeah. So my education on the history of the United States stopped with the Vietnam War, which was during the Nixon years. <laughs> but I mean, essentially, like if you take history from a coach who is only interested yeah. in wars, then all we studied was the wars and we don't really study the social environment around it. And I actually had a really good history teacher um, for eighth grade, for yeah. gifted and talented. And he got a lot more into the social impact of things, but we didn't make it past the sixties.
0: That's crazy. For that. So I mean, I mean you we were got- <laughs> you were doing this decades later and you still yeah. didn't make it to Nixon.
1: So I mean I hope that, that the kids now are learning about this particular point in history because I we didn't watch it in any of my classes, you know. So I Even in college we didn't study the Watergate scandal at all. So I don't
0: I don't know how I hit upon this, yeah. but that's one of the reasons I chose this yeah. for you. Yeah. not only from a movie standpoint, just over the years I've noticed that you have some gaps in the like seventies American yeah. movies. Oh, I have l-
1: like all of the seventies. You know I mean? My understanding of the seventies is like so
0: you probably- the end of
1: Vietnam War, the feminist movement, and then um, the gas shortage and the recession. That's all I oh, yeah. really know about the seventies. I remember yeah. those lines around. I've the seen pictures of, of that, yeah.
0: So just in conversation and, you know, have you seen this or that? And I disco. don't think you've seen, <laughs> I, I knew you hadn't seen this. I knew you hadn't, I don't think you've seen Dog Day Afternoon. You, I'm no. sure you've seen The Graduate in the 60s, right? Yeah, I've seen The
1: Graduate.
0: You didn't see it in the 60s, huh? No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What else I haven't is around seen that time? The, the Butch Scorsese. Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? You yeah, haven't seen Butch Cassidy. You haven't seen Butch Cassidy. I haven't seen the,
1: the boxing movie, the Scorsese one yeah, that everyone goes on sort about. Sort of 1980 ish, but okay. Raging, okay. Raging Bull. Yeah. yeah. But I haven't there's seen a that. whole
0: kind of chunk of 10 or 15 years where it's kind of hit or miss. I think most yeah. of the time you've seen the major ones, but there's this kind of like 68 through 75 kind of area that I think. Yeah. Also, yeah. there's some great Hal Ashby movies, The director of um, Harold and Maude, mm. but um, he did some. Smaller films like um, the King of Marvin Gardens with Jack Nicholson and Bruce Dern, which I really like. Mm. Um, he did uh, Peter Sellers in Being There later. I've so never seen It's another now. director and another sort of '70s active New American Cinema kind of dude that that I like. And I just I know how interested you are in politics and society and stuff like that. And and I, I, you, when I was thinking about doing this movie, you happen to say like you didn't really know that much about Watergate. Don't. So, I was like, "Oh wow, she would I think she would find this really yeah. fascinating, and she should just know, yeah, I mean at least it's just the movie version of the investigation, and I'm sure there are some liberties taken, but it's basically, yeah, like you get how big it was and and you get the step by step feeling of how it unfolded little story yeah. at a time, snowballing into something really over, big over when it could have just when it started out as a little." thing on page six of the paper yeah little paragraph that turns out to be enormous yeah with huge implications <laughs> that we're still feeling
1: yeah it's true well what's incredible to me so this movie came out in 76 <clears throat> uh not lincoln nixon <laughs> Sorry, I was confusing my Lincoln Duck looks. You debates, really did uh, not
0: do uh, all of history, did uh, you?
1: Nixon resigned in August of nineteen seventy four. Mm-hmm. The first the break in happened in nineteen seventy two. This film came out in nineteen seventy six. So that's like two only two years. That's the the full length of the scandal was two years, and then it only took them two years to get the movie out. So that's kind they of been rushed the movie
0: out pretty yeah, quickly
1: because I want to say Spotlight happened, you know. Five, ten years after the the big diocese scandal. So it's interesting how quickly they were able to I think this get, was
0: big. I mean I assume yeah. the book was a bestseller. The book probably came out in seventy five. Yeah. Right. Right after. And I know, in reading about it, I realized that um, William Goldman cut the story, like only told about half of, Mm -hmm. as far as about half as the book went.
1: Well, and then the last little bit is that montage where they're writing. Which I
0: love. Yeah, yeah,
1: the little montage where they're supposedly writing the story as.
0: So you see it on the teletype. As as, as, being
1: sworn in as. Yeah, but
0: you're seeing teletype of all the future developments with, um, you know, Haldeman convicted, you know, everybody (laughs) just going down the line um until Nixon resigns that's yeah. the last thing you see you have that i don't know this movie's so iconic I, like the opening shot of the of the like the mm. white page in the typewriter and then boom yeah boom boom, <laughs> boom with the with the dateline it's just one of those classic well, movie th- moments.
1: Because I just read a timeline of Watergate, and like I think you really had to cut it there because then it starts becoming a bigger picture. It, you know, at first it's just the papers reporting, and it's mm-hmm. like the New York Times versus the Washington Post, and but it turns into con-
0: hearings, right? Yeah, it yeah. turns into a b-
1: so then it becomes con- congressional, and yeah. like the what you it know ulti- how that stuff can drag yeah. on. Well, exactly when ultimately when they have to. Um, you know, request the tapes from the, then that's all congressional hearings, which means you'd have to introduce a whole new set of people. It's not about the reporters anymore. At that point, it's been taken over by the Congress. So I think it makes sense to stay, keep it insular to just the you know the men that broke the story and
0: yeah, but it's not just the men that broke the story. It takes you up to the point where it implicates the the um, the White House. Yeah,
1: essentially. I yeah. mean,
0: the, the Oval Office. Yeah, like the people in the room, the guy behind the <laughs> desk, the big guy behind the desk, um, and then and then the rest of that you know played yeah. out actually. But we don't need to see that. It's that the human story of the two of the dogged reporters. Yeah, I don't know.
1: It's it's interesting to me because like I I mean like I I don't know enough about it to compare the situations but it seems to me <laughs> that we have that same sort of connection going on and yet it doesn't seem as scandalous now as it did then you know this sort of idea that the president can wield this sort of uncontrolled power over all divisions of the government you know it nixon had been a politician for like his whole life and like he was like weird and paranoid about not being reelected because of his issues with um jfk yeah. and all that stuff so i mean like to me it makes sense for an like an ego thing what scares me is that the current situation like ha- he hasn't been like the power that he has is not political power it's Mm -hmm. it's money power and that's different you know that's something it is scary different yeah it's scary i don't know if it's something that can be reined in in the same way that the political power could be you know so which is a little bit scary to me but it it's weird because it seems like I love the part where where Woodward is meeting with um, Deep Throat in the garage, yeah. and they're having this conversation. And the guy is trying to get him to go think bigger, yeah. think you know, because he's just looking in a line, yeah. you know. Yeah. But 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 the Deep Throat is trying to get him to look in all directions because it's not just up a line of power; it's like down and around, and it's yeah. like he's a- just
0: trying to connect one little link that's in yeah. his immediate view but and there's it's like see. a
1: spider web all around him mm-hmm. of all these connections you know and people influencing other people and you know there's a little bit of a naivety which i don't think exists anymore about no. about these sort of this sort of corruption existing like it wouldn't have occurred to people that that would have now, it would be so that way in a way you know? i mean
0: so watergate And this film and this story, the story of Woodward and Bernstein, it was like the loss of innocence or where you realize where the public really realized how corrupt things can be. And we've gone so far past that now. There's like, it's... A strange, simpler, more naive time.
1: Yeah. Well, I was. I'm like they just bugged the the, like the weird democratic f- offices. So, you know.
0: Yeah, but I mean, as you heard,
1: people do that, right? I, I mean, I
0: <laughs> right? Then they release emails. Yeah, and the, all
1: that kind of thing. Um,
0: but as you heard, that was just one teeny little operation yeah. in a huge conspiracy to like sow discord and dirty tricks and well, stuff like that. What's
1: interesting to me too is that it just seems so clunky. You know, I mean, well, I it like how they seem, show
0: how clunky the burglary was. It doesn't was. seem very
1: organized or elegant. It was just like a bunch of men that knew they could get away with stuff. A trying bunch to of get... awkward
0: middle-aged men in uh, <laughs> overcoats who get caught red-handed in the in the Democratic National headquarters it
1: seems like, so like wouldn't you hire someone who's like in the cia or a spy or something somebody well, who's Gordon a little Liddy, more i think
0: i don't know a whole lot about him <laughs> yeah. but i think he was sort of just that kind, kind of, of operative sort of guy
1: elbow in yeah. sort of mafia type let's do it this way rough it up kind of thing. <laughs> i don't know but it, so
0: it, another it seems... yeah go ahead sorry no 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 that's well i was gonna say another thing i thought would appeal to you about the movie is um is this story of reporters and that whole idea yeah. of the ethics of journalism, the ethics and, or non-ethics of yeah. journalism. I mean, like, the the power of journalism at this point, of, of yeah. reporters going out, out, running around, and not printing stuff until it's fact-checked three times yeah. over, you know? It's really kind of awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and it's interesting because, you know, I spent all day teaching students about um About journalism and about the ethics of journalism and the responsibility that journalists as a profession take very seriously, and that kind of gets washed over. Well, I think you see that in this movie, and that's one of the things
0: I love about it.
1: Well, I mean, and like people who. You know, and and the thing is, is there's always a bad egg. So there would yeah. always be someone who messes up. But for the most part, these people want to tell the truth and they want to know what the mm-hmm. truth is. And it's their own curiosity that causes them to pull that forward. And then the responsibility of letting people know that, you know, I, and, you know, again, there's are always going to be a few bad people, but I think in general, the industry of journalism is is much maligned in this time. And that I think that there are so many good people who are trying to tell the truth now. And I feel like awful that that we don't have the same sort of yeah. respect that they did. Although, you know, people always called the press muckrakers and all of yeah, that stuff like the, that. You know, that. And,
0: <laughs> and they were far worse 100 years before. Yeah. And then, you know, there was a period of it kind of sorting itself out.
1: Yeah. It's. Uh... And
0: well, on, along those lines about the ethics of journalism and stuff, I love how you actually get to be a fly on the wall for editorial meetings mm-hmm. or for meetings where they run in there like bursting at the seams with the new piece of information they have with uh, and I like the way they kind of differentiate Bernstein and Woodward where Bernstein's like very impulsive you know D- yeah. the Dustin Hoffman character is like we got this well, we're going
1: to nail them to the wall he was we nearly going to be fired because and, of his impulsivity
0: and yeah <laughs> Bradley and, uh, you know, the Jason Robards yeah. and Jack Warden are always like, you don't have the story. Yeah. You don't have that. We can't print that. No. And th- there's that great scene where Jason Robards comes into the room when they think they have their first big like scoop yeah. on it. And he comes in and looks at it and then crosses out like most of the article yeah. with his red <laughs> pen and says, you can print this. Put it on like page three or whatever. Yeah. You know? um, so you see the due diligence. You see not only what the reporters are going through and their interaction with each other with, no, we have to go deeper. We have to get another source. We have to do more. And then the editor sending them back to get more and like what you can print and what you can't print. And we can't print it until you get a third source to go on the record or to confirm. That's just great. And, like I don't know what you call it. I love how the Wikipedia article calls it like a neo noir, like a mm. what does it call a journalistic neo noir or something. I'm like, I yeah, don't know about neo noir. I don't know about the noir, but it is indeed a newspaper thriller that involves lots of running about and uh, reporters uh, talking to people.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, there is. Um, I love that scene at the end mm. where Deep Throat warns them that their lives might be in danger, yeah. and they realize that they're being under surveillance, probably listening devices and stuff in the apartments. And they have to have a conversation huddled over the typewriter, typing back and forth. (laughs) He says, you know, that's a good thriller scene.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. I, you know, in, in this case, I don't know that, I mean, like, that would be a different thing if, like, people's lives were in danger. Like, I don't think anyone was, like, killed because of the Watergate scandal, which is actually kind of a testament to our democracy and our systems, because, like, in, if a similar thing was happening in, you know, a lesser developed country, then (coughs) there would be people dead, you know, because of it, to cover up things and
0: to, you know... So... Perhaps that's just a movie device, but it's a really good movie yeah. device, and it really does have that feeling of the stake, yeah. the stakes rising, and it's a great way to to convey like, oh my god, shit, everything is on the line now. Yeah, it's just a really <laughs> tense, well directed scene, um and the movie's full of stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: um is. I'm trying to think. So I, I said, you know, I, t- I talked about why I chose this movie because of like you know, I knew there were some gaps mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you haven't seen <laughs> All the President's Men. Um, another connection that I have with it is, goes back to again, to that sort of 1993 London internship for the film company. I worked for a little script development company um, called Paragraph Productions um, in London. They would work with Um, screenwriters and producers to kind of work on packaging a uh, deal but they would work on the like developing the script and the story and then getting talent people together Um, so I got to work with them and see what they were doing and meet with them with writers and stuff like that but that was just that was uh, heading into my last year of film school so it was the summer before that and like they were you know I got to work in in that office and and meet with Writers and stuff like that. And they're like, here, if you, if you forget about all the stupid, like screenplay template books, you Mm -hmm. you have to read William Goldman's um, book, um, adventures in the screen trade. Okay. So William Goldman is the screenwriter of the movie. I'm actually, Hey audience, I'm holding up a copy of my book. Um, this, unfortunately, is not the actual copy they gave me, but they gave me their copy of, of this book and said, read it from cover to cover. It's great. It's full of anecdotes and everything about his life in the movies and his process of writing and working with producers. Um, so he has a chapter on All the President's Men. Oh, okay. He has um, the entire screenplay of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And this was like one of those things that I just absorbed when I was ready to... Like um, when I was immersing myself in everything about screenwriting and film, and so I just remember Charles and Victoria at Paragraph Productions handing me their copy of that, um, and it being one of my first. Like, oh my god, this guy's amazing! He wrote these amazing scripts, and wow. um, I'm sure I have a copy of the screenplay of All the President's Men because of this somewhere in that that big carton yeah. under the in our room <laughs> the, that's got the old screenplays from film school. Um, it was a good early one that I used to read and study and stuff like that.
1: So, and he also wrote, uh, the, uh, medieval neo-noir, no, it's not a noir, uh, The medieval, Princess Bride. Oh,
0: medieval, oh, I see where you're going. Yeah, down. yeah. <laughs> he, wrote he wrote the, wrote book the novel and, yeah. and
1: the, and the, um, and the screenplay.
0: He did. And he wrote Butch Cassidy and, Butch Cassidy and the sun Kid. He wrote Marathon Man, which is another one you probably haven't have seen. have not Dustin seen. Dustin Hoffman and, um... All Lawrence the, Olivier plays the, Dustin the Lawrence men. Olivier plays the baddie. He's a Nazi. Okay, um, and I mean he just has written so much over the years, and he was a, a respect even when he wasn't writing his own thing. He would be someone that they would bring in for treatments. Fi- yeah, to fix a to fix yeah. a script, so his name would often be on screenplays throughout his life. Um, yeah, he died last year, I think. Oh, really? That yeah. recently? Interesting. Yeah, I remember posting on Instagram a picture like telling that little anecdote yeah. and posting a copy of my my book. Um, but great writer, and, and his book is great. I know he wrote a couple of them. but
1: Well, it's a, it's a pretty tight little thriller. Um, there's not like a bunch of extra filler. I mean, like it is kind of complicated, though, especially if you're not really familiar with the, the history. But I think they did a pretty good job of explaining I don't how things think I were followed
0: it as well. The first time I mm-hmm. saw it, this is probably the third time I saw it. third yeah. or fourth time. And this time I, I got it. I mean, I think I yeah. got every link along the way. I was like stick stuck with it, never got tired, kind of always knew, got it. Yeah. I have read the book though. The Bernstein, mm. I mean, I almost said Woodstein. Um, I read, <laughs> I read the book sometime after, you know, seeing the movie 20 years ago. Yeah. Um.
1: So yeah. I, I want to talk about um, there's the librarian of Congress, and oh, and yeah. the librarian at the White House. This of,
0: is a, the point at which we discuss the the ethics of being a librarian. Yeah.
1: So it's it's funny because um, you know one of the scenes they're making the call and they call to the White House librarian to see um was it what Colson or uh, not Halderman the other H person.
0: Uh, Howard Hunt.
1: Howard Hunt uh, had checked out from the White House library. Because he was was
0: doing, he was checking out books on on Chappaquiddick.
1: Chappaquiddick and and George McGovern. Anyway. Uh,
0: uh, Teddy Kennedy. Teddy Kennedy. That's
1: right. Um, (laughs) So they called over to the library and the librarian on the phone says, oh yeah, I'll get the information right away. And like, at which point I was like, no, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to just tell people what people check out. (laughs) um but she quickly got back on the phone and like changed her story and said that you know which like made them suspicious but actually is what she should have said in the first place which is that you're not supposed to tell people what people are checking out (laughs) exactly
0: the implication was that somebody got to her
1: yeah exactly
0: otherwise for whatever reason the librarian in the movie was perfectly happy to have somebody call them up and ask about um a white house
1: it's like sure i'll tell you you know what the with the, what with the book, chief of staff what, what, or whatever tell us everything
0: <laughs> that they have checked out from library of congress in the last 2 years or whatever yeah. no no. That, my friends, well, is the most Fantasia land thing of the movie. Yeah. Well, and We're both librarians. Have we some mentioned that point,
1: They go over to the Library of Congress <clears throat> and they ask the Librarian of Congress, who answers correctly, which is, we can't give we you, can't that, um, you that. that information.
0: And then they find some <laughs> clerk who's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah I totally have gonna, all that. And then yeah. he pulls out a box of like <laughs> all the card catalog <laughs> checkout slips, I mean, yeah. of, of everything that's ever been checked out yeah. by the White House in the last few years. Well,
1: I mean, I don't know how, you know. How, I mean, I guess it kind of gave them a line of inquiry to go into, but I don't know that that particular bit of information took them anywhere that they needed to go. I think the much more significant discovery was the money, as as it's just funny because we're both librarians (laughs) and
0: we would never, you cannot do that you would yeah. never do that that's, well
1: i mean our systems are set out because we have we you actually know, don't retain that, we retain that information we don't anymore. retain
0: people's reading so just and you know
1: interestingly it, the reason that we don't anymore is due actually to an act of congress which is uh the patriot yeah, act that's right um the patriot act says that the government can ask for those type of records so we just don't keep them anymore yeah you know so um that said i, I did say it's the best kind of yeah, denial we don't keep, we, those, we don't records. keep those records <laughs> you can't tell people stuff that you don't know yeah. um but that said if if there was if i ever had the information that um uh could break a a story like that i'd be much more likely to give it to to a journalist than to a <laughs> than government to a FBI government agent but yeah. um But yeah, we don't, we don't keep that information for that very purpose so that nobody can ask for it. And, you know, we won't, we can't be compelled Mm -hmm. to, to testify, you know, one way or the other, you know, so, um, your records are safe (laughs) because they don't exist. It's true. (laughs)
0: So there's some great, I mean, we talked about the great cast, but there's some great bits along the way. Um, Jane Alexander plays one of the people that they um, interview that woman, they go to her house and, mm. and, and she will not talk. Right. Yeah. And then uh, Dustin Hoffman Bernstein ends up staying and slowly kind of getting a little bit out of her. Yeah. And say, Let me just, can, do you mind if I sit down? Do you want a cup of coffee? And he ends up talking to her for six hours. Like, I think she was nominated for the supporting actress mm. for that that role of that, like, really stressed, like, person <laughs> who wants to do the right thing but is terrified. She's really good.
1: Yeah. It's like she wants to tell him, but she can't, you know. Yeah. Same which the, is something they run into a lot. A lot of them mm-hmm. seem to want to tell them stuff. And then... I like the scene where he's waiting in the office to talk to the attorney general from central Florida or something like that. Oh, yeah, and he
0: has to fake out the secretary. The
1: secretary, yeah, who is, like, totally with it and not going to let him in. Yeah, who's played by
0: Polly Holiday, (laughs) who used to play Flo on the TV series Alice.
1: Oh, okay. It's just strange. Not seen that either, so.
0: I'm I'm sorry, I, I grew up in this set. Oh, shut up and watch this sitcom edition. Yes. Don't worry, we won't probably do that. Yeah, but yeah, you've never seen Alice. But right? that's
1: the thing; like, they had to travel all the way to Florida to get that evidence. It wasn't like something they could just look up or like have some people send them. There's no fax machines. Oh I yeah, guess, at this, this point. movie
0: has a, a cut or a, or a fade <laughs> out, and all of a sudden Bernstein's in uh, in an office in Florida. Yeah, like they actually have to go. There's no googling. Did we say that? Yes. There's no googling.
1: I, I like the scene where they're going through the phone books to look for the. The, yeah. The, the guy, in, like, the, the guy from the research room, pulling
0: the, phone the Minnesota phone book. He looked yeah. through all
1: the phone books for all states. Yeah. You know, which I trying guess, to find the name. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and now you can go to one of those horrible like Tokyo.com dot yeah, things. We don't even have
1: phone books at the library anymore. Somebody asked me for a phone book the other day, and I had. I, I was think like it up online. I think
0: we still had phone books when I started <laughs> eight years ago. Yeah. I feel like uh, down at the South Austin campus, we used to have phone books. Uh, yeah, I the can local see ones. That. Yeah, I can see that. What, that specific branch. <laughs> that, that specific okay. branch. Yes. <laughs> they might still be there.
1: Well, it's, and like it's like beside somebody who asked me like, "What is the phone number for AT and T?" And I was like, I, "I I don't know. I don't know what the phone number for AT and
0: T is." <laughs> Why don't you know that? Aren't you information? <laughs> yes. Four one one.
1: Yeah, yeah anyway so i think i think that that journalists and, and other information professionals have a lot in common and i i always feel like a kindred kindred mm-hmm. spirit with the the people that are out there like seeking the truth and doing that sort of research and you know asking the questions and um so this is this is a fun movie to It's see. really
0: um i didn't remember that they were pretty much nobodies like when it started like they were like, uh, you know, Woodward was eight months on the paper or yeah. something and totally had. Well, and they said that in the movie. Yeah, yeah,
1: they and, didn't trust him to do it, you know, probably because the older guys, like, knew that the experience yeah. of knowing what you can print and what you can't print and, would
0: actually hinder yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's but, true. <laughs> but when it started to get bigger, then at several points they wanted to take it away from them. That's
1: right, yeah. But.
0: They were but I think it's Jack Warden who's like, They worked their asses off on this. They're gonna keep this. And, yeah. You know, other other senior reporters well, and, editors and wanted to pull it I think the connection
1: with the contact was probably valuable as well. Mm-hmm. You know, other people wouldn't have that same sort of contact with the with the source. Yeah. W. Mark felt as we now know.
0: Yeah, so I grew up my whole life not knowing who Deep Throat was or 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 whether it was a single person, a lot of, for a long time, uh, there was a theory that it was a composite Mm. based on uh, several sources that for the purposes of, you know, the narrative of the book and Mm. and the film that they, they gave a single, made into a single mysterious character. And then 2005, we find out it's Mark Feltz, associate director of the FBI at the time. Well, I mean, that makes sense. We didn't know that we would ever know. They were going to wait at least until he died, um, maybe after and with permission of the family. But...
1: He decided to come out. Yeah, I, you know it's.
0: I don't remember exactly. Probably the story, enough time but... and
1: space between it, you know. But it makes sense that it would be someone highly placed in the in the intelligence community. Would that yeah. have access to that sort of? It
0: sounds like information over the years. There were a couple of stories that kind of singled him out as him being one of the candidates who it yeah. could be. So his name come up, came up a couple of times, then it would usually quickly be denied.
1: Well, I think it's funny. Like he admitted to it apparently in 2005 and then like a bunch of people were like, no, no, he can't possibly be. And then finally Woodward and Bernstein, well, Woodward and, Bernstein
0: said, and Ben Bradley yeah. had to come out and confirm that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. And then um, Woodward got another book out of it. Yeah. He wrote a book about his, just about the deep throat uh, experience.
1: Well, and, I mean, like, is Deep Throat, it's a reference to the the terrible 70s porn yes, film? A, yes. yes? Okay.
0: So <laughs> they, uh, in the film, it's Jack Warden, um, and forgive me, but I'm forgetting the name of the editor that he plays, and I actually said it earlier in yeah. the podcast, but he's the one who who gave him that nickname because he was on deep background only. Yeah. But that was also like a, that porn movie was like in the news and kind of infamous around that time. It's the
1: first like rated X or I don't know if it's the first, but it was
0: one of the first really big blockbuster sort of, no, it was X. It was like, you know, a porn movie Mm -hmm. in the porn theater kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but it, it had reached the popular consciousness like it was a popular one
1: yeah
0: <laughs> it was like a, the first, a landmark the one
1: that people knew I yeah guess. it was one that people yeah. knew
0: yeah um so so that was actually true that it was that editor who gave that nickname and they gave jack warden that it's role classy in the movie. that's classy, yeah, that's classy. classy. Deep deep journalism throat. there he's on deep background <laughs> only which is really interesting because i love the way he can kind of nudge them in the right direction the way, and it's Hal Holbrook yeah. who plays him in the movie. In the shadows, we hardly get to yeah. see him at all. But it's Hal Holbrook; he's great. He has that wonderful voice, and um, and he says, uh, I, "I can confirm. You come to me, and I'll confirm what I can, and I'll do my best to to keep you in the right direction." Yeah, but it's all on Woodward and Bernstein.
1: Well, I I wonder because in the movie they they have this scene where like they f- he finally pushes them enough to give him the yeah. thing that's supposed to the
0: implication that is that he finally gave him more. Yeah,
1: the- and I wonder why in particular. Maybe because at that point they'd built up enough of a, a
0: momentum, a momentum or of, of
1: evidence that he wouldn't be necessarily specifically implicated. You yeah. know, if he provided that information, like they were able to, I think, because he he was the one who finally confirmed that the the chief of staff was involved, um, and then they were able to further confirm it using the woman and the and the guy who yeah. Well, and then well, I th- that was really interesting. So when Stephen Collins testified, that was how they knew that it was more than just the White mm-hmm. House. That it was other branches because yeah. the Justice Department had um, was doing the interviews and like they said in the paper their their story which is um, he didn't t- he didn't say anything or he didn't implicate Holbrook or whatever Halderman, his name yeah. Halderman, Um but then they come to find out that they didn't even ask him about it. So the justice department knew not to even ask him about it. So when the story came out that he,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he didn't implicate Halderman, it was, he was speaking true because they didn't, they, never even, asked. they didn't ask. And so
0: that's, yeah, that was how at they, first they thought he betrayed them. That, <laughs> yeah. You know, he went, he recanted his story. Yeah. And then it turns out, no, they ever, they never asked.
1: So that. that's, that's how they found out that it was mm-hmm. the justice department and the CIA and yeah. all the people involved in the, you know, and they were, actually holding up the investigation from the inside which is and then it turns out later they had tapes where they recorded them talking about this sort of thing because <laughs> they had
0: tapes confirming that nixon approved everything yeah,
1: yeah. i i mean that like... he
0: had ordered them <laughs> yeah. to have tapes of so his own tapes like yeah helped bring him down well
1: I, I it's so interesting the whole like stalling process because like i was reading about the timeline and it's like So it's it's uncovered that during the investigation, like nobody knew this that they've been recording in the office since 1971 or something like that. So like everything was recorded that in every conversation Mm -hmm. that happened in the White House. And so you know, then they knew there were these tapes, and then the White House refused to turn over the tapes, and then they turned over edited transcripts of the tapes, and then finally there was a big. Sounds familiar. There was a Supreme Court case to get Nixon to finally turn over the tapes, and then.
0: Then they
1: got everything. Well, and so then they had all that, but they still had like <clears throat> Congress still had to vote to they they voted to bring mm-hmm. charges to impeach yeah. him, but they, um, you know, they they had enough votes to convict. So that's when he finally resigned. Is when the? I'm glad you refreshed yeah. <laughs> your memory of all of that? Because I
0: didn't remember. Yeah. How so that so I mean, like out. even
1: after they had like all this proof and this compelling evidence and all this stuff like that, it still took. You know, somebody coming to the president and saying, hey, you know, there are enough votes to to convict you of this mm-hmm. crime, you know, and that's when he resigned so that he didn't. And then Gerald Ford, um, like, immediately, uh, uh, like, he stopped the investigation by pardoning mm-hmm. the, the Nixon, which is... I guess he was trying to save the Republican Party at that point, or... or I'm not yeah. real sure what the purpose of that is, but I just remember that my... Um, my I call her my aunt, but she's actually a cousin of mine. Yeah. Like, who was, uh, you know, born in the early mid-60s or something like that, mm-hmm. but she was always really angry, you know, about, you know, at Nixon and, and Gerald Ford. Sure. You know, probably for that that same sort of, you know, machinations that, you know... <laughs> Well, guess, and then if yeah. you read a little further past that, that's when, you know, it's interesting how the wheels, I mean, it isn't that long ago, but like Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney and mm-hmm. all of those people mm-hmm. kind of came into power in that post-Nixon, yeah. Gerald Ford kind of era. Hey, it's
0: the next wave. Yeah, it's it the starts all over again.
1: Yeah, yeah so um, the next who I, I feel, many of those I feel are largely responsible for where we are now, you know, not hey, directly, yeah. but...
0: <laughs> all created the to,
1: environment that led to this. it's so. true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so going back to the movie, what do you think about the fact that, I mean, this is sort of unique in that it's not a character movie. Yeah. It's a movie about guys in ties and shirt sleeves making phone calls and running around with notepads and typing. Yeah. But <laughs> there's no real sense of who they are or their lives outside of this story yeah. this mystery there's no home life no. stuff there's no relationships they could be anybody in a way yeah, they they are are they are us making yeah. the way through the story they have a function to fulfill they're based on real people Woodward and Bernstein yeah. did you feel that character element was lacking or missing in some way from the film that we don't actually have. Do do you, did you ever feel like we didn't have people at the heart of this? Was it just a story about an idea?
1: Well, I mean, I didn't think about that, but that's a good point. You know, especially when you have actors like, like Redford and, and Hoffman who are excellent. Well, I think that actors. makes it more
0: essential to get, yeah actors of that caliber to be in it because, well, they, they,
1: but they were so good at fading into the background you know yeah. you didn't get I mean because Hoffman is so famous for all his tics and and little mannerisms and stuff like that and that just kind of
0: well I mean you know I challenge I mean I don't have the screenplay and I'm holding up a book that does not have the screenplay but I mean if you look at the screenplay and then you look at the film, you're going to see like what Hoffman brought to a yeah. routine scene probably on paper yeah. with him, you know, sitting on a desk and chain smoking in the elevator mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, all of that sort of energy he brought yeah. to it. So you did get their personalities in a sense, but there's no, <clears throat> there's no sense of them as, as people outside well, of it's this not, little it's story. Not about, and that's not what it's about. But,
1: yeah, it's not about anyone's growth. It's not a human story. It's no, a, it's, a, it's, it's a, a puzzle. Yeah, It's exactly. a mystery.
0: It's an enigma. Yes. <laughs> um, curiously, also, you said earlier how fast-paced it is and how it yeah. moves. Now, it's about two hours and 15 minutes, mm. but it just goes boom, boom, yeah, boom, yeah. boom, boom. Like, it's never boring. You always kind of are trying to make sure you're keeping up with it. yeah because it does rush along and you have each sort of puzzle piece fitting in and you're kind of always trying to check your own understanding of it while you're watching it and while the next piece is coming into play i don't know i like a movie that makes you work a little bit
1: yeah it does it certainly does that so i i I haven't talked about it so far but i loved of course early 70s which means it's it's the world of mid-century design. And so I loved... Th- and then I, I just read that this was not the actual offices. They wouldn't let them record in the actual offices. Oh, so yeah, they built a set. They had, to, build re- they a had set. to rebuild. They took pictures. They found the same desks. They found the, they found the same chairs. They painted them the same color. So like it's about
0: 200 desks of the same yeah. <laughs> kind that the Washington Post bought for $500 a piece and put them in two sound stages. It's
1: beautiful set design yeah. because like I just remember the long rows of um of um uh not ultraviolet light the fluorescent fluorescent lighting which like that's like every office in the 60s yeah. was like that every in the early 70s and into the 80s it was like that and like it just is like Beautiful set design. So I mean, and- <laughs> this is what Hollywood
0: does so well: yeah. is the verisimilitude of like creating from scratch something that looks as shabby, as busy, as cluttered, mm. as as the real thing. They stole it's trash hyper from real. the actual newsroom. They stole trash from the newsroom. <laughs> they they took a sample brick so that they yeah. could make bricks that looks like uh, the the room.
1: So I'm. I I haven't been able to track it down. I tried to while we were yeah. watching the movie, and I had to stop. But I think it's Herman Miller is the furniture. I'm not <laughs> positive, um, but he that that company would have been a major provider yeah. of office furniture. It still is. It's yeah. it provided my office furniture. So. Um, you know,
0: someone's maybe done an article on the design of, uh, yeah. <laughs> all the maybe you should do that.
1: <laughs> but I mean, like, it looks like it had been redone, mm. you know, I mean, they probably redo it every 10, 15 years anyway. So, I mean, it looks like very much like early seventies sort of look, you know, well, they uh,
0: said their production designers took photographs shooting every inch of yeah. that place. Like you know and then they recreated it in but the, studio, the, in the, the sort of like
1: the primary colors and the and the the style of the chairs are very mm-hmm. of that time period they they were new they weren't it wasn't like lived in stuff that had been there since the 40s they had yeah. updated you know in the 40s it would have been like leather chairs and metal desks and stuff like that so they had updated to the you know plastic and metal and you know it's anyway, so.
0: <laughs> so I love um, that
1: kind of thing. I love mid-century Washington. You know, all those old like yeah. brutalist buildings. Oh yeah. You know, set in with the more you know traditional neoclassical, neoclassical. Stuff, and stuff that's around Washington. You know, so I love that that beautiful contrast between these like concrete. Brutalist, mm-hmm. heavy buildings. Federal
0: buildings or just yeah. huge office buildings. You know, that,
1: that they built up. The in, Watergate
0: building is yeah. kind of one of those monstrosities. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, and the parking garages, which are like cement mm-hmm. sculptures and everything like that. And then you set that against these federal buildings that were built in the, you know, early part of, you know, or the late part of the 18, mm-hmm. 1800s, early part of the 1900s. And there's that just... Brilliant sort of contrast. I'm glad that is I could give
0: government. you a, a, a movie with <laughs> 70s uh, design and architecture yeah. to Ogle. You know, yeah. as long as we're doing these 70s movies.
1: But it's it's interesting how and the other thing is, is like Nixon is never in it except for that one like last yeah, We see scene. actual
0: footage of him on the it's, screen. He's, it's, uh, he's named the, in the
1: title, but you it know. ends with
0: his second inauguration.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then we get as as they're in the back, there's that wonderful long shot of, yeah. of him being sworn in at the second inauguration while they're in the back of the shot. Um, pounding through the typewriter on the the next batch of stories. Well, and if
1: I'm not mistaken, I don't yeah. think he's even mentioned during.
0: They the might mo- call him the president. Yeah, I don't I think don't, they ever
1: mention him by name in sure. in the movie I can't at say all. If that's true. You yeah, know, I so like the, I think that's an uh, in, another interesting contrast. Well, they is sure that, mention
0: everybody else. Yeah, I mean, they all call of the it, other people they talk about are real people: Howard Hunt and Haldeman and Dean and Ehrlichman. Well,
1: and these, like when he's standing there talking to Deep Throat, and the guy's like, "You need to think differently. You need to think." You know, he's trying to get him to think yeah. like. So they've got Halderman, but like. He never, Woodward never mentions the president.
0: Nobody would think. You would not, at that point, you would never think that the puppet master is the big guy. Yeah. And his inner sanctum. But I
1: I think that may have been a conscious choice. I, I don't know. Um, because I, thinking back on it, I don't think they ever mentioned the president directly at all, even though yeah. the title of the movie is All Presidents Men.
0: So, you know, I wanted to see, I wanted you to see this in the right way. I used to, I think we. it's in our book, of, mm. our box of DVDs. We're going to get rid of half price no. books. I had an older copy on DVD. But I sprung for the 10 bucks uh, Prime delivery or whatever from Amazon to get uh, the, right. b- the beautiful restored two-disc Blu-ray version of this. And there's a documentary on, on it that's supposed to be fantastic that, mm. that Robert Redford did uh, about five years ago called All the President's Men Revisited or something, where they go back and, and you know, look at the what actually happened in Watergate yeah. and then the story of the film. And they talk about Mark Felt and just that whole kind of, it's a, a good retrospective look back, but it's supposed to be good and it won some awards. So we might look at that at some yeah. point, but I highly recommend it looks gorgeous on the, on the disc um, throughout your old pan and scan DVD. <laughs> you, I don't know what we have at the library we work at. Maybe we should replace that at yeah, some point, probably. but uh, it's good stuff. Do you have any other thoughts about the uh, movie? Just
1: you know, since we're talking about Robert Redford, my final thoughts are yeah. that I, you know, I'm continually impressed by Robert Redford's career in in the movies and all he's done. To I mean, he started out as an actor and then became a producer, director, and now he does the Sundance Festival. And
0: I mean, I I, I didn't get to look into this, yeah. and I don't know if you did. And I'm sorry if I cut you off, oh, but no. I think this was one of his earliest movies as a producer yeah. when he started his production company so you know I say it's a hollywood movie but it's uh, robert redford's wildwood pictures yeah. and him you know then sundance film festival a decade later and all you know well, all that he's done the for the force movies
1: it's that he's done for film and that he's one of the first actors <clears throat> to sort of break out of that actor role and sort of become all the things and now like that's a regular thing for actors to become directors mm-hmm. and and you know i think it's it's awesome we have i think it's allowed for a lot more diversity of story and different looks on things than people who just came up to be a director and like i think we have more like People who start out as talent, women who become directors through that way, Mm -hmm. and you know, people who start out as TV directors and are TV actors Mm -hmm. and then direct a few episodes, and then they find a way to make a movie. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that um, that he, you know, was maybe one of the forerunners of that path that is now, Mm -hmm. you know, leading to so many more opportunities. And he provides opportunities through the film festival through the
0: Sundance stuff yeah, yeah so it's, it's a good
1: thing and a good actor too on top yeah. of it all so now i'm thinking
0: <laughs> it sounds like there's several like there's a bunch of that of those robert redford movies you probably haven't seen and yeah. there are other ones that are really worth it too yeah. um butch butch and sundance i know you're not a western fan you mm-hmm. should see butch and sundance at I some probably point should. it's like one maybe it's paramount next time they yeah. have it at summer film class <laughs> they show it every year i don't know if you've seen the candidate
1: Mm-mm.
0: oh great political movie sort of drama, satire kind of thing um, around the same period as this, yeah. maybe a year earlier. Um, I have another one checked out from the library that's another William Goldman written um, It's Three Days of the Condor a great
1: Nothing. like
0: espionage thriller kind of thing he has the best job in the world he works for like the he, I think he works for the CIA or something like that, but his job is to like read everything all of the yeah. time, like weird spy books and science fiction to get new ideas for them to implement in certain ways. <laughs> like, But, um, it opens where like everybody in his unit, in this like research unit that he works for in Washington or wherever, um, he goes out on a lunch break and he comes back and everybody's been assassinated. And then Aww. he gets involved in this whole thing. Faye Dunaway is in it, you know, from Bonnie and Clyde. And it's just a fun great Chidatown. 70s thriller. Yeah. So you should see that too. Okay. <laughs> Directed by Sidney Pollock and written by William Goldman. Ah, okay. Um yes. I think we've opened up another avenue to explore over the yeah. over the years, but not for some time on the show, <laughs> probably. Because we try to mix it up.
1: Okay. Just all 70s movies all the time.
0: Do you know where we're headed next on our journey in, in the next episode? Oh, God, I haven't
1: even thought about what we're doing next. Um,
0: well, then you don't have to promise anything and, no, and thereby no. disappointing it's, people who We already like did it hands
1: to, on a hard body, so...
0: And after uh, Threats and Promises, Pride and Prejudice, yeah, and Pride and which Prejudice. turned out to be a pretty popular episode. I'm glad all of you who tuned into it did. Yeah. Um, Doing well. By the way, we're just a couple notches away from 2,000 downloads. Two more
1: downloads and, we'll and 2000 we're getting downloads.
0: closer and closer to our 50th episode. We've been doing this for how many? How long? year and a half?
1: Uh, Something like that? Almost two years. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, if anybody's still there <laughs> who stuck with us from the beginning, thank you for listening. And if you're new, I hope you come back and listen again and tell your friends about the show. And we you know we're out there. If you want to see what we're up to, you can follow us on Facebook. Um, Shut up and watch this. You can Follow us on Instagram, see what and when the new episodes come out. But most of all, please subscribe, so then the episodes will drop and come right to you in your podcast app or Apple Podcasts or any And then of those if you things. don't like
1: the movie that we're reviewing, you can just delete it, and we still get the download. You know so. what?
0: And we have 38 episodes <laughs> right now, so you can actually just go into the feed and click through and go download, download. Nope, don't care about Hands on Hard Body. Nope, don't care about Once you Upon, care about once hands upon on a hard Time body, in the yeah. West. It's a Western. <laughs> Westerns are terrible. Yeah. You know, so whatever. I don't know. Team Dave, Team Ashley, hopefully Team us as a couple.
1: Everyone's Team Dave, apparently, according to the download statistics.
0: (laughs) That's true. Thank you, all you uh, (laughs) listeners in uh, Turkey and uh, Canada, New Zealand, UK. It's England, Ireland, Scotland. Ireland,
1: Scotland, yeah.
0: We've got a lot of you guys out they there. They don't
1: differentiate Scotland from the yeah. U- general UK.
0: So. Um, and also, uh, I never remember to say this at the beginning, but uh, if you can go over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and leave a star rating or a quick little one-liner review, if we hit more reviews, more ratings, it'll um, bring more traffic to us. Mm-hmm. It'll help people find us when they search for podcasts, especially movie review podcasts, that kind of thing. Um, Thank you for listening. Do you have anything else to say to them? That's all. Bye. All right. Take care.